Hey, Nostalgia Gogglers. You're about to hear a special interview with David D'Angelo of Yacht Club Games, one of the talented developers who worked on every part of the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove series, including the latest two free expansions, King of Cards and Showdown. George and I learned a lot talking to David, and hopefully you enjoy this interview. The living room's dark save for light being cast From the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise That's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning Yeah, so uh, why don't we just start out with, uh, tell us who you are, what your role is at the company, how long you've been there, that stuff. I'm David. I've been with Yacht Club since the beginning, and I mainly do programming, but we all wear a lot of hats here. What's your your favorite secondary responsibility, then, after programming? Uh, Well... Uh, I mean, like I do, I do a lot of gameplay programming. So with that comes like design stuff. So, I, so I'd say that's like, uh, but maybe that's like the same responsibility. But maybe <laughs> after that, I don't know. Uh, now we're doing publishing stuff, so that I, I like doing that because I'm like looking at other games and uh, you know figuring out how to make those better. And it's interesting to like think about those problems when you're not like on the inside, you know. <laughs> uh, like it's it's easy to be like how to fix it when you're like the one coming up with the idea but when you're like taking when you're looking at the idea from the outside and being like this is oh like this is how you constructed it and we should like deconstruct it that's like a new new problem that's fun to figure out and and how how do those people take that feedback usually uh differently i think the the way we what we found sort of is like we like almost like beat people beat people into understanding us <laughs> uh, it's like it's like you, we just like keep saying the same things over and over and over until eventually they like break down and they're like okay i guess i should try it and then they try it and they're like oh yeah it really works it's almost like like a Beauty and the Beast, like what do you call that when you're like stuck in the uh, oh Stockholm uh, syndrome. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Stockholm syndrome. Like when you're like, when you're you're like trapped in our like net for so long, eventually like you grow to love us, and then you realize what we're saying is like a good thing. So, so this actually is a weird segue into what else I wanted to ask you about. Like, how did you get into games? Right, so. A lot of people, I think, in our generation probably grew up aspiring to be in video games, but how did you actually get into it? Was it Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> no, it was not that. Uh, I got into games. Uh, I actually came out to... Uh, I, when I graduated from school, I was, do, I was writing jingle music because uh, I got a computer science and a music uh, degree, and... I was writing jingle music and I came to LA uh, basically when the, in 2008 when everything was crashing (laughs) and uh, it seemed impossible that I would get a job writing music. So I, I was like, well, the real thing I've always wanted to do is make video games. (laughs) So I like looked at game companies and way forward was, you know, uh, hiring like crazy for whatever reason. And, uh, and I got a job there and that's, it was like, it was like the lowest, lowest low of uh, programming, but uh, I like worked my way up from there and 
you know, did a bunch of stuff there. It was like WayForward is a really good place that you could, you could like just you're on small teams and you're on projects for a really short time. So it's like a great place to like figure out how to actually make games, even when you know nothing about how to make them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what were some of your favorite games as a kid growing up? Well, uh, basically anything that was on the Nintendo system. Uh, I got, I got an NES when I was three years old. Uh, so, so like I was like hooked from, from very early on. <laughs> I, I learned later that I got one of the like early NESs like, uh, in, they did like an early run in New York, in New Jersey, or I, I forget where, but like around New York to make sure that, uh, you know, that it would like work when they sold them to all of America. Right. They did like a really early run. And my, I had family that lived in New York city and my, and my uncle was like a real diehard technology kind of person. So he just like bought whatever was new in technology. And they, they were making a road trip for my sisters who was just born to like see her. And, uh, they brought with they brought the NES with them because they had nothing to do in the car, so they like hooked it up in the TV, like they hooked the TV up in the car and like r- drove across the country with it, <laughs> and then they left the NES at our house because I was so obsessed with it. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> they just gave it to us, and like I was like hooked. Uh, so I pretty much played everything, like all, all the big franchises on Nintendo. I mean, my my like my neighbor down the street had a had a genesis so i was like obsessed with sonic but like from a distance <laughs> i would like go to his house and be like we gotta play sonic we gotta play sonic uh i mean pretty much everything uh yeah i i was like all i did was play games so <laughs> so if you uh had to pick like a favorite game from that era right that kind of early nest genesis era that was an inspiration in your work on shovel Knight. Like I could guess, but I'd, I'd love to hear from you like where <laughs> you mean, feel the those big, strong inspirations were. Yeah. The big inspirations, uh, I mean, and they're pretty obvious, but I would say the, like the mechanics of shovel Knight came really from Zelda two. Uh, we were thinking a lot about that down thrust in Zelda two and how we could extend it into a full game. Uh, and, I think a lot of Mario three was a huge inspiration for the level design and just like the, the map and uh, Mega Man. I, we're all obsessed with Mega Man. We play Mega Man uh, every, every May we have a, we, what we call Mega Man. We play through all the Mega Mans. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, those are, those are like the big three, I would say, but there's, I mean, there's so many games that we were looking at for inspiration and uh, just ideas for like how to work things, even modern games. And you see, that's interesting because I would have bet money that the down slash came from uh, uh, Scro- from DuckTales. Duck from yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, a lot of people say that. And I, I would have, you know, I think the reason for that is probably, I would guess, I mean, I don't know, but I would guess that the the, the guys who made DuckTales were probably looking at Zelda 2 <laughs> and like had the same conclusion <laughs> as us, right? That like, oh, that's really cool. We should make a whole game out of that. I mean, in reality, like what we're like, the, re- the real thing, like, it really comes from Mario, right? Like, the you, you bouncing off of someone's head is, like, that's a Mario idea. It's just, like, putting a weapon to it is sort of, like, where Zelda 2 and DuckTales and Shovel Knight come into in the play. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a fair way to look at it, because it's basically just the, the difference is adding, like, a binary as to whether or not you get hurt or you hurt the bad guy, as opposed to right. where you always hurt the bad guy. But that's, yeah, right. yeah, that's interesting. I never really thought of it that way. <laughs> So why King of Cards 
and and what I mean by that is uh, Shovel Knight. Uh, I think has done pretty well, right? The the game's reviewed well. People are happy with it. Um, and you have the is it? It's Plague of Shadows and, or am Spectre I, of Torment? Spectre <laughs> of Torment, yeah. Um, and then King of Cards, but this is the last one. So yeah. why why this story and why these mechanics? Like, what did you want to do that you hadn't done in the previous DLCs? Uh, well. I guess the, I mean, the core of it comes from the Kickstarter. So like we, you know, we promised these three uh, playable boss knights and they picked what they would be. And, and we, we decided that King Knight, for whatever reason, we decided we do Plague Knight and then Spectre Knight and then King Knight. And so really King Knight came, like there's like two big components. It's like King Knight's character and like his, what we thought his story would be and like how he would fit in that way. And then I would say the other big part is like, this is like the final one. And how do we like differentiate from the ones that came before it and make it interesting, but also like celebrate Shovel Knight as a whole. Um, so like the cards part comes from, cause when we were first making the, when we were finishing Shovel Knight, we were like, Oh man, we have to make three of these. What are we going to do? Like, you know, by the time we get to the third one, no one's like, it's like another platforming game. No one's going to care. They're like, we better just make it a card game and like totally defy people's expectations. And I mean, so it was like basically a joke. And then we took that joke and we were like, well, actually, maybe it would be interesting if we, if we like put, like, we love like those side games that are in things like Final Fantasy VIII, like Triple Triad. And we thought it would be really cool to like try to do the same idea in a platformer. Uh, and that's like, that's like sort of the core of the idea. And then Spectre of Torment was really, uh, we wanted to, after Plague of Shadows and Shovel Knight, we really wanted to try to make like a really streamlined experience. Uh, and so we focused on like taking out the map, taking out like the, like side guys that you would run into, like that world, you know, the encounters on the world map. We tried to make it like really focused just on the stages. Uh, and in King Knight, we sort of thought, let's do the opposite. Let's like, let's sort of blow out the side stuff as much as possible. Let's make it so you don't even have to, pl- you only have to play like 10% of the game, like similar to a Mario game. And let's make it so uh, the stages, like you've been playing these big meaty stages, three games in a row. Let's make them short. Let's like, you know, let's make those like the map be a really interesting part of it as opposed to like Spectre Knight where it wasn't a part of it at all, right? Yeah, I was I was noticing. I think every level or almost every level only has a single midway checkpoint, and yeah. yet they do feel shorter because there were a few times I was really grinding my teeth at a challenge I was struggling <laughs> with, and then I would get through that part thinking, "Oh, okay, like I, I got through that part onto the next thing," and then I was at the rat copter and I was like, "Oh, I'm done." Like that was <laughs> yeah. that yeah. was the big <laughs> challenge for this stage, right? And that's kind of a good feeling because then it's you get uh like a slightly um shorter what we've come to call snickers time right where the yeah. the the time to satisfaction gets <laughs> more approachable right yeah that was definitely what we were going for with it and uh, i mean i'm glad it's coming through <laughs> that's cool <laughs> uh so yeah like um and so kind of how does uh, the difference in character movement uh play into kind of the level design because obviously shovel knight moves way differently than you know specter knight so on and so forth so kind of how do you do you kind of start off with the way they move and then build the level around it um kind of how does that how does that process work uh it, it sort of goes back and forth but i would say mainly we 
we come up with the movement first and then build the stages after that. Um, so we sort of, we figure out a core, like, you know, here's what we want this gameplay to be about. Like we wanted King Knight to be about like bashing into things. Uh, like he's this like big dumb guy and he's like, how does he solve a problem by like smacking his face against the wall? Right. <laughs> uh, so that was like the core idea. And then uh, initially we were trying to build King Knight to be like, we thought we would have Spectre Knight and King Knight's stages be overlapping somewhat the same way Plague Knight and Shovel Knight stages did. And then when we were building Spectre Knight, we just found like, oh, this is like just so interesting on its own to like have this own flow, like and building another character like to match that will just be weird. So that's like why we decided to do the short stages thing uh, to like differentiate it that way. And uh, so when we were building out King Knight's mobility, uh, we started building up these stages and sort of like figuring out how to make a stage that was fun with those mechanics like ends up sort of like you go you like start building it out and you're like this is fun but like it would be more fun if king knight was like this and then you like build another iteration of that stage and then you're like well maybe we can make like this change to king knight and then you like do it again like until like king then you feel like perfect about king knight you feel like really what we're doing here we could build a hundred stages for right uh hmm. and uh eventually we like that then we like go out and build a ton of stages based on this like mobility set that we think is really working so initially, it's a very kind of iterative process where it's it's back forth, back forth. Yeah, I mean, we, try, we like we desperately try not to iterate because <laughs> that like <laughs> takes time, right? Uh, but that's like usually what happens is you you're as you are like as you have like you said, oh, this King Knight mobility is perfect. When you go to, like to build the stages, you realize, oh, actually, it's like not perfect. <laughs> or like <laughs> if we made these few changes, we could like make much more interesting levels. Uh, somebody once told me that uh you know it's it's very few games games in general spring forth fully formed from the developer's head so i mean yeah, yeah. kind of <laughs> no question about that <laughs> yeah that, that that certainly holds up i know I, I i've tried you know making a few like minor card games and stuff in my time and and yeah I'm like this is perfect and then you sit down and you play and you're like oh no this isn't even close you know? so, <laughs> yeah, right. good, good to know that's kind of ubiquitous for sure oh, definitely. <laughs> So was there anything about the way King Knight moves and interacts with the world that was like development wise more difficult than uh, Plague Knight or Spectre Knight or Shovel Knight? Because he's his movement doesn't seem super complicated and, and the way the world responds. But I feel like it's a fool's errand to just assume like, oh, it seems simple. Therefore, it was easy. Right? Oh, yeah. So what what was difficult about that? If there was anything uh, we yeah, we had a big a couple of big problems that we were trying to tackle one was uh initially we thought we he that putting a bash on the core uh movement would just be like too weird uh so we thought he needs like a basic attack like so he has a staff and we thought oh normally when you press the button he'll just swing a staff and we'll uh and since we were doing that and since the other we only have two buttons and one of them has to be jump right we thought well then you know we'll have a charge attack similar to plague knight and the charge will be the bash uh and the more and the more we tested it we thought after plague knight we had a lot of problems with people doing charge attacks in general uh just like being able to handle both buttons simultaneously like feathering those inputs as you're jumping and bursting and we thought well this will be simpler. All you do is charge into the wall. And we just got, as we play tested, we just were unhappy that like it was that complicated. We wanted it to be really simple. 
so we like took that out and we put the bash back in and we made it the main move. And we were thinking a lot about Wario games or Mario games in general because of that. And we thought, well, we'll give him like if maybe if his bash is his main move, we'll give him a lot of momentum and that will make it feel like more natural and not like a weird thing that you're bashing. And we tried the game with a lot of momentum and people just like couldn't get used to it. Uh, I mean, like three games in, it's like weird to go from a Mega Man style, like no momentum game to a Mario style momentum game. <laughs> uh, like people just like couldn't get used to the fact that like w- when they let go of the D-pad, like their character kept moving a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, so we tried that and that was weird. And then, I mean, eventually we just got to the point where where like when you bash, you'll just come to an immediate stop, a hard stop. That like that will solve the problems. No one will be confused. Like you'll know exactly how far you move with every bash. It'll be super clear. Uh, and then, but that felt like weird because you like bashing and coming to a complete stop has like a really bad flow to it. Right? <laughs> you don't want to like go. You don't want to like sprint six steps and then like run out of breath. Every. <laughs> So that's where we came up with the roll part of it, where if you bat, if you if you press the button during the bash, it would roll and it would keep your momentum going, uh, and that like it, it made it so like it felt simple to play, like you never needed to roll if you didn't ha- if you didn't want to, but you still had the mo- the option to like keep that momentum or to think about like when you bash into something spinning up, uh, like if you just rolled, you wouldn't spin, so you like you could think about options in, the, in each scenario and like make a decision that was interesting. Yeah, I can confirm that you can finish the game without rolling because uh, I finished the game and I think <laughs> the only time I did the roll was in the one area where you <laughs> learned the roll. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people play it like that and I think that's cool. That's totally cool. And I think a lot of the game you might, you know, you can play the game, I think, naturally without feeling like you're coming to a hard stop uh, by just like, it's like, oh, I'm always bashing into an enemy or into a wall and I and I sort of have that natural flow to it. Uh, but like when we were playing it without this, like stages really nicely made already <laughs> that like could encourage that flow. It felt like, or it was just like, Oh, I really, you really need something else <laughs> to help you. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's cool. I think it's like playing it with just that bash is really fun. Just to, just to, I mean, just cause it's so simple that there's like one button, right. Of an action. It's really nice to like, just that the complexity coming out of that through the level design is really fun. And for me, it let me focus on uh, what are the things that I bash into that won't give me the spin, right? Right. Because then I'm I'm focusing on the world as almost like the kind of edges of a, a pool table. It's like, what can I bounce off of? What can I not bounce yeah. off of? How am I yeah. going to move through this area? That's so it's, good. I like that analogy. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I assume you all had already thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably one of the things that, that comes with, with game design is you you create this great game. And it's one of the things we've talked about a number of times is where, uh, you know, players will kind of play their own way a lot of times regardless of how you make the game. Like, you can kind of guide them, but eventually we're oh, like, yeah. hey, there's this really, really amazing way to approach this problem. And they're like, ah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it the hard way, you know? And you're like... Definitely. But I mean, that's, like, that's one of the struggles <laughs> with, you know, that's why playtesting is really helpful, right? It's, we, you know, we bring in people and we see how they play and we see, like, what they're doing. It's like, oh, they, like, never use any of the items that could help them. Uh, or, like, you know, often people don't like to use like a, a classic example is people don't like to use uh, items that uh, you could run out of. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you don't use your elixirs in a final fantasy. 
because like you only have two of them and you never know when you'll need them, right? So uh, you never use them unless you never need them, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, so like designing around those kind of problems where it's like, it's, it's always a fun thing where it's figuring out how to like get people to use the tools that we, you know, that we put in their tool set. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually if it makes you feeling better, my wife is 100% one of those people. Like she'll have 99 depletable oh, yeah. items. I, I'm one of those people, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll go up to her and I'll be like, like, why don't you use some of these? She's like, but what if I need them? I'm like, you need one now. You've got five yeah. hit points left. You absolutely, you're going to die. And it's like, ah, but no, I might need it more later. Yeah, like when, when, I, play Me- when I play Mega Man game, I never use the powers that you get. I, I mean, I just <laughs> never do. It's like, I, I might need this sometime. And I, and I enjoy playing the game without them. So it's like, not a big deal, honestly. But like, I know the people like watching... You know, if like Inafune came and watched me play Mega Man, I'm sure he'd be so upset, like pulling out his hair. <laughs> <laughs> so why nostalgia games? Like why games that emulate old games in their look and their music? Um, I, I think I read somewhere that uh, is it. What was what was the composer's name for the music? Uh, Jay Kaufman. Jay, yes. Uh, I think I read somewhere that he originally said, "I'm going to actually limit it to what." like Ness hardware could produce yeah. and you all were kind of like, no, you can have a little bit more freedom than that, please. But, but there's still obviously like tremendous constraints on the visuals and the audio and like the, the size of the game overall is, is big enough to be fun, but it's not nearly as big as you might have made it if you pushed the hardware. So like why, why something, you know, classic and nostalgic feeling? Uh, well, when we were like first setting out to make Shovel Knight, we, I guess what was, what was interesting to us was how complicated games were getting. Um, so like, no, I'm not to have, I'm not that I have anything against it, but like, a, you know, when you booted up a game like Grand Theft Auto, you would go from like a helicopter to a car to a motorcycle to a bicycle, uh, and all those like vehicles would control re- very differently. And like use every single button on the controller, and uh, and just like the complexity of like a- a- interacting with that world was like it's it's just enormous. It takes forever to learn how to play it and master it, and 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 you know just like see every nook and cranny of it, right? Like it's almost impossible for like a Grand Theft Auto kind of game, or I mean most games, right? It takes like thousands of hours to play a Skyrim, uh, and we were we were just thinking a lot about like, you know, what we used to love is like picking up these old games and uh, you know, within seconds you like, know you've mastered it. Uh, and I mean, you haven't mastered it, but you mastered like the, you know, within seconds you like know how to play Mario, uh, you know, how to like run and jump over a pit and it's, and it's fun already. And like the, the, the joy of it comes out of like the complexity and the new ideas they're presenting to you not the complexity of like the actual controls and all that. Uh, So we just thought the best way to like, to show people that would be to like make something like it. Uh, And like, I think you wouldn't understand what kind of game shovel. If we just made a simple game that like looked gorgeous and was beautiful and, and looked very modern. I don't think you would understand like, Oh, the, the game is like about simplicity. And like, and the complexity that comes out of that. And I think another part of it was like, we love these old games. And like, when you, when you play Shuffle Knight, hopefully like 
you're if you're like 10 years old you can go to the store you can like you can be you can say oh like uh, the next game i should try is like mega man it's like almost like a gateway drug to those games right <laughs> but like if you're if you're a kid these days and you go like pick up a mega man game and you've like never played anything else you're gonna be like this is the worst i hate this <laughs> right <laughs> it makes like, no sense to you um and we so we sort of wanted to like provide a way for those things to make sense uh and uh that was that was sort of like the core of it and i think with each each edition we've made we've tried to like introduce ideas that uh could make you fall in love with like different things from those games like we introduced a card game in king of cards right but it wasn't like a magic the gathering style card game uh it was like more based on these old simpler uh you know like a go, a go or a you know really physical like not numbers based game and you know hopefully like people will see that and be and like think about like the other kinds of games that like are interesting in that field like a basically an area of like card games that sort of got left behind right we like want to like bring those back and and make you get excited about them again and and I I personally want to thank you because uh you know I've my my son he's four years old. And, um, and his, you know, obviously his game's literacy is substantially lower than, you know, like yours or mine, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, he, 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 he and I both really love this game because I enjoy it because it can challenge me with some of the, the complexity of the layout, but he can pick it up and just play it. You know, he understands yeah. like how to move forward. And, and he actually one time beat a boss that I was struggling with, which was really disheartening <laughs> for me. For me. I, <laughs> if, if I recall correctly, it was King Knight in the original it Shovel Knight. Knight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how he did it because I put the controller down and walked out of the room and I came back and it was the victory music. I was like, not like this, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I really do think that, that um, you know, you guys did a great job creating a game where, uh, you know, like uh, both adults and, and, and kids can use it as that gateway to kind of get into gaming as opposed to, like you said, I can't hand him, G- oh, I can't hand him GTA for a number of reasons, but I, I definitely can't <laughs> hand, hand it to him because of the complexity of the, the inputs. Um, yeah. With that kind of in mind, what, what would you say is the most challenging part of creating a nostalgic game. One of the things we've talked about a number of times on this show is that everybody's like, oh, I'll just, you know, rip off Mega Man. It'll be fine, you know, but it's like, no, 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 no. If you're going to do it well, it takes way more time, energy, and effort to uh, create a game that looks as good as you remember Mega Man, not as good as yeah. Mega Man actually is, you know? So what would you say is the most challenging part of creating a nostalgic game? Uh, boy, that's, that's a big problem. <laughs> There's a lot of problems. <laughs> I would, uh, one of the big ones is sort of like fighting against expectations in a way so like when we first were coming out with the game people would say oh i love nes games but you're not going to make it like nes hard right it's not gonna be nes hard and we're like oh yeah no it it like it's like we wanted to make a challenging game because that's like what was appealing about those kind of games uh but like finding the line of what people think is too hard and is like friendly is like almost impossible right you can't do it for everyone um so, uh, for, you know, for us, it was like figuring out, well, let's make it like as hard as we want to make it. And then we'll figure out the ways that we can, you know, make the challenge be something that's up to the player as opposed, you know, maybe we give you if you're really bad at jumping, we give you like a we give you the propeller to make you like be able to go over the pit easier. If, we, uh, you know, we give you tonics that can bring get your health if you're like always running out of health, we give you 
uh, we you know we just like straight up put in cheat codes. So if you like can't do anything, you're like invulnerable. and can jump like do moon jumps because like as when we were kids, so we, like we use Game Genie, right? Uh, Heck yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean that was like that's a big thing and just a challenge of like you're in a space that a million games have been in, right? Uh, like mm-hmm. what like just creating a hook that is interesting for people to actually play it is is a big challenge, right? Uh, like why play our game when you can go back and play Mario Three? Uh, like we have to figure out how to dif- differentiate our game and make it interesting and appealing to like modern people. Like it can't, uh, you know, a, a, like a lot of feedback we get all the time for like why people haven't played our game yet is because it looks old, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it looks like, oh, like I, you want to play a thing with like the most modern graphics and like it's cutting edge and looks cool and it's like exciting for that reason. Uh, and figuring out how do we can make a game that like, still looks really appealing to you uh even if you've never been drawn to those games at all is is a huge struggle for us yeah i i, I can i can literally only imagine because uh <laughs> yeah it's, um, i mean that's it, like you said is that and, and the problem too and correct me if i'm wrong is that there's you know like you said is that there's a ton of games in this space but people don't remember how many bad games there were they just remember like the top the top 10 you know it's like the same Definitely. i got into a similar argument with somebody who's like oh why don't they make good mu- music like they did in the 70s i'm like they made right. a proportionate you know same good music and bad music we've just only carried forward the good music so you're literally going across you know games that coming up against games that have just withstood the test of time and uh and yeah i mean i can't imagine how difficult that must be so yeah it's a huge it's a huge uh barrier to cross and, and just like yeah the memory of it is like another uh, you know, like a lot of those games, just they aren't good. <laughs> they are really not good. No. Uh, and well, like, even if they are good, yeah, even if they are good, it's like you're like you're ignoring the bad things, right? When you play them, mm-hmm. uh, and in, like there's so much good stuff there, but you have to like overlook the fact that like you know it's it's almost impossible to get through them to play to the end, right? Or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah making yeah making sure that we could make it something memorable in a way that you could you 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 aren't like upset and you can enjoy it and it like gives you those good warm feelings but also it's like new and exciting it's 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 a crazy mix that we have to like, you know a stone soup or whatever that we have to get to work. <laughs> so then I'm curious about how showdown came into it because the the three main expansions like i get those were part of the kickstarter and you were able to do different things uh mechanically and narratively and it kind of expand the universe but uh showdown feels distinctly not you know of our childhood right i mean the the first game <laughs> i mean unless you count smash on the 64 but like i can't think of any 2d pixel art smash style games until smash was a huge success and people were like yeah. oh what if we made a pixel art version of this so how how right. much you were going going straight up with uh super mario brothers like this just mario brothers like that yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah it is it is straight up mario. mario brothers is the big inspiration so again it was a kickstarter thing that we said oh we're gonna make a four-player uh battle mode you know that it's just like something we said and you could play as all the characters in the game uh, and then when we were thinking about what we actually wanted to make, uh, Mario Bros. Mario Bros. is like constantly a huge inspiration for us, just because it's a game that I feel like is overlooked or it's like not really remembered. 
mm-hmm. but that game is like wickedly fun. Even <laughs> even today, like if you put two people in front of that game, they're gonna have a really good time. And it's like it's almost it's like hard to understand why it's so much fun. Uh, so I mean, initially we were starting off by just thinking like we're gonna make a four player version of that or of some kind of thing that's like it's a it's a platforming thing. It's going to be like you're going after gems. Uh, and because Shovel Knight was such, it's so focused, you know, there's like two components to Shovel Knight. It's like the platforming, right, of like jumping to the gem. And then I, I would say the big other part component is fighting over stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like fighting enemies, fighting bosses. So, you know, we wanted, to, so we thought we would make it a, like a platformer fight, but we would try to lean like, instead of like Smash, where it's like 90%, fighting 10% platforming we would go like 90% platforming 10% fighting uh that was sort of like where we started and i would say it was more than just mario bros that really inspired it this we were like thinking a lot about like bomberman uh like a lot of those uh just like early you know tmnt fighters like er (laughs) like real early like multiplayer games and especially a lot from like the n64 era where it's like where they first started putting in four controller ports into, and everyone was like, we got to make a bunch of mini games, right? Like Kirby 64's mini games, like the Pokemon Stadium mini games, like <laughs> Chameleon Twist, like all these like weird multiplayer games. Uh, we were we were looking at a lot and thinking about like, how do we make like this like this really simple pick up and play kind of multiplayer game uh, that just feels like. Uh, there's a lot of depth there, but feels like you can just get in there and start having a ton of fun with it. Uh, and there's just like a lot there. It just feels like you can play it for hundreds of hours with your friends. Uh, even if it's like, even if you're basically the same level, you know, you're not getting better in the game. You're still having a ton of fun, right? Uh, like that Mario Bros. Like you're not like you're not like learning a ton of new techniques or like you're not learning how to wave dash or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you are like you're, you're you're probably getting a lot of you're probably getting better like learning new things of like how to win against your friend. But it's like more about like I don't know, just like that that uh, tug of war between the two of you. Uh, that was like a lot of what we were trying to emulate with it. So, do you find anything um, sort of? like cognitively difficult or, or difficult for players during testing. Uh, Cause the, the first thing I noticed when I did my very first round of showdown is I was like, Oh, everyone moves slightly different and the controls are a <laughs> tiny bit different. Right. Yeah. So there's this, you're seeing something familiar, but you have to interact. You as the player have to interact with it in a different way. Like how did you make some of those decisions about where buttons would be mapped and the delay? Like you can't just wail on someone. You can't just stand in front of them and like beat them to death with your shovel. Right. Whereas in the main game, you absolutely can just wail on the enemies because that's fun. Right. But that would not be fun in a multiplayer game. So how, how did some of those decisions get made? We started with a more like, Oh, it'll be like you're doing combos and like knocking people around and all that kind of stuff. And we realized it was like too far from Shovel Knight. Uh, so when so then we were like, okay, a big component of this is we should make sure that at least Shovel Knight, King Knight, Plague Knight, Spectre Knight play exactly like they do in the, their campaigns. Uh, and starting there, it's like okay, then we're like sort of stuck with you know some basic things like. They all have to, they all have to like, they're basically two buttons, right? It's like their jump and their attack. 
and maybe they have like charge attacks. Maybe they like can mix it up by like pressing different directions, but like, uh, well, like it's going to stay pretty simple. Uh, and from there, like the mechanics of like, Oh, the, you know, if we're, if it's like that simple, then like when you hit a guy, they should probably like flash just like they do in the game. Right. And, uh, you know, the focus is like jumping around and getting the gems and like, and when we added new characters, we, we tried, we thought really hard about like, how do we add these guys in a way that like is really differentiated from the previous one? Cause like, what's the point of having new characters if it doesn't feel like you're playing a different character? Yeah. It's just uh, mortal combat pilot swapping at that point. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so we thought a lot about how to make them unique, but still sort of have like a same like core principles to them where like they all have a jump. They all have like, they all have like two primary actions. Right. And maybe some have like more complications than others. Uh, but we thought like when we were play testing, we found it was cool. You could always like go back. If you like, if you found something's too challenging, you could go to Shovel Knight and be like, I know exactly how Shovel Knight plays because I played the game. Right. Already. Or like, you, we had like we tried to pick certain characters that were like really easy to get into, no matter what. So like Specter Knight, for example, like has the homing slash, and like if you really know nothing about playing, and if you see that slash, you know exactly when to press the button. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you see the dash, like uh, the marker come up across the character, it's like made it really easy for anyone to like just jump in and play that thing. Or like Shield Knight, we're like, you know, she'll her shield will make it like really easy to get around and like just really easy to hit guys and you won't like have to worry too much about like as opposed to like playing night where you're like i have to line up that bomb right you know right at that perfect angle uh so yeah it was like it was i mean it was really each each one we are just sitting around and just figuring out like what like what scale of complexity can this like character fit under like do we got to make sure we have like at least you know, 25% of these guys are like simple to jump into and play. And, uh, you know, when we were making them all, it was just every day it was like, Hey, does everyone on the team feel like, does anyone have any issue with this character? Is this character still fun <laughs> to play as? Is he like too complicated? Is there like anyone, is there any reason anyone doesn't like them? Or do you think they're like overpowered when you're playing as them? And until everyone was happy with every single character, we didn't ship the game. <laughs> I, I think that's, uh, the, the tone I've gotten from Yacht Club is like everything I've seen on your Twitter or whenever anyone's talking about the company, it's like, yeah, something may get delayed or something may, you know, take, take an extra minute, but it is never, ever not been worth it. Right. It's that extra time is not, Oh, we were screwing around instead of making the game. It's we were polishing every little detail and it, it totally comes through, right? Like not to, not to pat you on the back too hard, but I mean, it's, that, that level of polish is seen in every single aspect. Um, I think when we played the original Shovel Knight for for that episode of the podcast, I just remember saying like, no death ever felt unfair, right? The game never cheated me out of winning. It's just that I did something wrong. And that's a hard thing for a game to do where it's hard, but you don't feel like the game's unfair, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope it comes through, and uh, thank you for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> we spend a lot of time making sure it doesn't feel uh, cheap, and uh, even even so far as to make sure like that our decisions are like in your favor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like when you uh, like a classic one that people always like tweet at us because they're surprised. Even like I saw one the other day that was like I've been playing Shovel Knight for five years and I've never seen this, which is like when you die at the same time the boss dies, we like bring you back to life. Because it's like, 
who cares? <laughs> like, you did it. Like, you did it. Let's like just let them win, right? Uh, yeah. And we try to make all our decisions like in the player's favor. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that's like, I mean, that like mitigates the challenge a little bit, but like in the end of the day, like we can challenge you in so many ways, right? And we don't need to challenge you in the ways that like just make you frustrated, right? Uh, and that, I mean, that's like part of what we were trying to avoid. Like when people talk about Enya's heart, I think that's like a lot of what they're, they think about is like when I jumped over that pit in Ninja Gaiden, that bird like always hits me and it's just like, <laughs> come on. It's like, it's like, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't have like instant reflexes. Uh, and or- Oh, or, or, or in, in classic Nintendo games, what I was going to say is where, you know, uh, like you, you, you say, oh, no, that's not fair. I totally made that jump. I totally killed that bad guy. I totally right. whatever. And it's, and it's because the game is being, quote, fair, but it doesn't feel fair. So right, you know, it only yeah. feels fair if it's in the favor of the player, which is. Right, right. Like, in, like, in Shovel Knight, like if you both hit each other at the same time, like your attack wins. Right. It's like those decisions are like they're i mean a lot of them are like actually hard to do you have to like you have to you have to like after the fact figure out like well we screwed up that programming or whatever or we made that wrong decision and we don't you don't even realize it because most of the time you don't run into it right uh so it's like you have to like look really look at every inch and i mean in playtest that comes really hand like use it's really easy to much easier to find that because someone might be playing it differently than you that like makes you run into that issue uh, that you like might not have been having. Uh, yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a big challenge to think through all those things. And a lot of times it's, it's hard because a lot of those frustrations come through like, you know, in Castlevania, like uh, those decisions are made very deliberately. And that's like sort of what makes the game fun too. Right. Like when you get hit in Castlevania, you go to, you get knocked back really far. Uh, and the fun of that game, I would say is, is, is really thinking about the space you're in and, and, you have to be concerned about that all the time. It's like, it's a game about spacing, right? You have a huge whip and that's the benefit. It's like, you have this big whip and you have to think about like, as soon as I get myself into that enemy zone, I'm safe. But until I'm like in that, if they can hit me before I'm in that zone, I'm like, I'm scared. Cause I'm going to get knocked really far back into the pit. <laughs> right. And that's like frustrating to players, but that's also the enjoyment of it. And figuring out the line between those two things is extremely challenging uh, because like a lot, a lot of people would say like, I hate getting knocked back too far. That's just like, <laughs> why'd they do that? That's maddening. Uh, and like when we do make those decisions that I think are inherently frustrating, right? Uh, like, like getting knocked back too far. We have to think about like, well, how do we like mitigate those when, th- when that's, you know, 90% of players might be happy with it, but 10% of players might get just like, can't handle that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, well, then we can be like, let's give them an armor or something that like, if you're that player, we can sort of help you in that situation. Well, I noticed with uh, King Knight, you know, because you have the bash, which also traverses you horizontally, even if you're in the air. And if you get if you do a bash and you get hit while you're in the air after you come out of like the damage invincibility flicker, you can bash again. Right. right. So so like you can actually recover onto a ledge if you get knocked off or you could maybe bash into a wall and do the little spin. There was more than a handful of times where it was like if I hadn't been allowed to do that, right? Like if I had to reach oh, ground yeah. before I reset, I would have died and that would be yeah. less fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was like that was that's one of those things that like if you screwed up, we want to like give it, it's like more fun to give you that chance to like make up for it, right? <laughs> 
to like be able to be like you can be the hero essentially after like your big mistake it's like uh like making a clutch save in a sports a game or whatever uh and we I, I think that was like that decision really came from that like it it almost like detracts from the game that you like the idea is you can only do one bash in the air and that like that's where the fun comes out of is like really thinking about and being deliberate with that choice right and if you make that mistake then you like screwed up and it's like that that, that there's the fun but like yeah if if you get hit in that process we wanted to make sure that like we could give you that opportunity like that it's the same idea of like leaning in the player's favor so uh what would you say is kind of the the core difference between making a a a game like shovel knight versus making the expansions you know um because i mean obviously for shovel knight i i imagine you you have to there's a lot more of like uh asset development things like that whereas uh in when you're building an expansion i imagine that you would get to play around more with like movement and things like that so what, what would you say is kind of the the difference between developing the core game and developing the expansion and kind of which is your your preferred mode of operation uh i would say i definitely pre- like prefer making the first thing just because it for me it's easier uh like uh you know i think when you're making ideas uh like it's uh, a lot of what you're doing is you're figuring out while you're making it what it is you're making. Um, and like when you hit the sweet spot is like when you've like when you when everyone on the team knows what it is, right? Everyone knows what it is. Then it becomes really easy to make the game. Uh, then it's like the game is almost telling you what to make. <laughs> uh, it's like this is this is the kind of game I am, and you're just like filling out the details of what it is. It's like I'm a game where, uh, you know, it's really important. Like, it's all about, like, this natural flow of, like, dash slashing, right? Inspector of Torment. It's like, uh, and and then you know the kinds of things that would be fun in that environment. And when you're, uh, when you're making it from scratch, uh, it's really fun because you're, like, you're throw- sort of, like, throwing a bunch of things at the wall. And the things stick a lot easier, I think, because, hmm. because like, you're... Uh, since you're trying to figure out what it is, like the like until it's like molded, all those things like work because they sort of like they come together and that those are the pieces that are figuring out what it is more naturally. And when we're building the expansions, it's sort of like we have this big whole thing figured out, and now we're trying to invent a new piece that has to work with a thousand other pieces, <laughs> right? And there's just like so much more. Uh, it's like gets so much more complicated and like what we can what we're able to invent in that space that can like be new at the same time working with this old stuff uh so it just is it just like gets it's really challenging to do that um but at the same time it's really fun uh to be like uh just being creative in a space uh i think like the ideas we're coming up with feel like more inventive because they're built on a you know, they're built on a thousand ideas that are, are we already thought were inventive right <laughs> uh, so yeah uh, yeah and then I guess in terms of like building and in terms of building the actual like art and the music I think what is the most challenging is it feels like we're all, we always have to one up ourselves uh, mm-hmm. and like with the first game it was like easy it's easy to one up with yourself when you have nothing right. <laughs> 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 uh, but 
like when you've built this better than I've ever done before. Yeah, when you've built this thing and everyone already thinks it's great. And then we're like, well, how do we build something better than great? And also we have these restrictions that say we have to be like, you know, when we can't go to Super Nintendo, we have to stay in the NES. So like we're always trying to figure out like how do we push it to the like absolute maximum possible without like breaking that barrier. Uh, It's just been like really really tricky and uh, it's like a constant like push and pull in our brains where it's like no 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 that art is like too complicated like that won't work it like we have to like we have to restrain it and bring it back to like make it feel nes uh it's like we animated like you know that character has like six frames of animation and like they that couldn't ever work it like looks unnatural we have to make three frames of animation we have to like cut some out uh, it's like that's always the challenge of like figuring out how to push it at the same time of like keeping it in the same like series essentially. So how do you make some of those decisions about keeping it like in the NES era? Because surely, I mean, I I can even just off the top of my head think of places where you obviously violated like what the NES yeah. literally could have done. Are there like technical limitations that you just set hard boundaries? Like we can't have more than this number of colors or this number of sound effects or something, or do you do it mostly by feel? Uh, I would say we, I mean, it's a combination of both. So there's, there's definitely hard rules we have for ourselves. Like we, you know, each, a character only has like five colors to them, but we, we sort of base those rules around like, the maximum the NES could have ever done. Or like if you were to make one more, I mean, the the way the NES worked is like they put the technology a lot of times in the cartridges themselves, right? So we think of like, if they were going to make one more cartridge that like what costs like way too much money to produce, like what would that cartridge do? Uh, and we like the way we figure that out is like by looking at what games were doing right at the end of the NES era, right? They like started to have parallax backgrounds where like look 3D, right? But it, but like they couldn't actually do that, but I bet like the next thing they would have made would allow them to do that. Right. And like the same way the music is, it's all made with like a, with the, uh, in the old chipsets, right. It's made with the actual chipset, but the one that Jake decided to use is like the Castlevania three chipset, which like has more, like allows you to do more than a typical NES game would let you do. Uh, and like those, so those sort of decisions like permeate throughout the game where we're like sort of picking the maximum, like the reason, like a normal sprite, I think in the NES could only have three colors in it. But like when you chose a Mega Man, like if you take a Mega Man sprite, they have, they have a body and a head and then that allows them to have like five colors because they use different colors for the head and the body. Uh, so we said like, well, we're, and it's like things like, we're not going to make the Shovel Knight sprite be two sprites. We're just going to make one sprite. Cause like, that's dumb, but like, <laughs> we'll follow that general rule where it's like, and, and we're not going to make them have like three colors for that whole body. We'll make them have five colors. Cause that's sort of what Mega Man looks like anyway. Uh, Cause they were just really smart about how they use those limitations. <laughs> and we'll just like, we'll sort of follow like the general, like, idea of those limitations uh because like we think there's inherent like value in a sprite only having five colors uh, and the things that like the, the the only reasons we would like absolutely break the like that rule of thought is like for example like the nes only has i think it's 52 or 54 colors in the palette in for any color you could use and things like well we want to have like a a black person be represented in the game 
and there's literally no brown colors in the NES palette. So that, like <laughs> we're just gonna have them because we're like we because it just doesn't make sense that there's not that it's not there. Um, and so there's like there's yeah there's things that we try to break it for like reasons that we think makes the game more fun or whatever. But we try to generally to stay as close as we can. Well, I like the way you explained it. Of like, what would they have done next? Right. right. So what would if they hadn't gone to like the Super Nintendo? What would have been a more powerful NES? Yeah. Not let's burn it all down and start over with modern tools, but then force ourselves into this restricted. <laughs> right. Right. Like that. I think that's a that might be a key thought process in what feels like a nostalgic game when you play it and what looks like a nostalgic game, but then doesn't feel like it. Right. Is, is yeah. you're, you're trying to do like a logical continuation. I love that. So what was your favorite thing about uh, this? Like kind of, I guess, ending the treasure trove, closing, locking the treasure chest, opening the treasure chest. <laughs> there's a, there's a metaphor in here somewhere. Um, yeah. But like, so th- this is cause the Kickstarter was in 2013, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, this is, this is a journey. <laughs> like this has yes. been a substantial part of your career, I assume. So like, how, how does it feel to be at the end? It feels unreal. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we would never be here. Uh, so it doesn't feel like it actually happened yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, I mean, it feels uh, uh, simultaneously, it feels like amazing. It feels like, uh, like, you know, we, we have this like big weight lifted off our shoulders. Uh, it, I mean, it just felt like it felt really, I don't know, like the word for it, but uh, just like we had these like good, you know, the same ways you have like at the end of the year, you're like think through the year, right. We were having those, so many of those feelings like at the end of the projects being like thinking over the last five years and, and the, and especially because of the content we were making was celebrating that so much, like in King of Cards, there's a, there's a card for every character in the game, right. In showdown, like, you know, so much of the stuff we were putting in was a celebration of the last five years of like the characters you could play as or the characters that would show up in the stages or just like the environments themselves. Right. Uh, we, we, so much of it was thinking about the last five years and like, being nostalgic about them in a way uh, <laughs> that we, it was, it just feels like simultaneously it's like such a wonderful like celebration of what we've done to be like, we've like put a bow on top of this package and uh, we all just feel so proud of it and that we got to make like exactly what we wanted to make without like compromising just feels crazy and that we didn't go bankrupt is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, just, it just feels like what a, an incredible journey. At the same time, it's like, like I can't believe that it's like actually over. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I'm sure you love all of your children equally, but come on, pick like main main game or one of the expansions. Like, which one is your personal favorite to play through? Uh, my personal favorite is okay. Well, I have like different ones, depending on my mood. I mean, they, they can't all be equal. Yeah, <laughs> them all be, equally. They're not all equal. They're all different. They're all like lovable for different reasons. I would say. I, I mean, I would like Shovel Knight is that like that one is like uh, most meaningful to me. I think it's like that's like my heart game, essentially, where it's like I can't like you know so much like blood, sweat, and tears went into that one, and I can't believe it like turned out the way it did. 
in terms of like the the one I I I probably enjoy going back to Spectre of Torment the most just because it's like it's so it's such like a good snack. <laughs> it, it's like real quick to whip whip through it, and it's so much fun. And I, I the movement in that game is just so enjoyable to me. And I just like really love playing it. Um, King of Cards is like it's so cool. It was like, I mean, I said this, we just had a postmortem here and I was talking about how King of Cards was the first game I, at the end of the project where I wasn't sick of it. Uh, (laughs) We play the game so much that you're just like, by the end, you're like, I never want to play this game ever again in my life. Uh, And King of Cards was the first one where, because you could take so many paths to get to the end, that like every time I played it, I had a different experience playing it. Uh, and it was like, it was actually fun to go back and be like, well, this time I'm going to take this route and I'm going to get this weapon and I'm going to see how that like plays and how that's enjoyable. Uh, it was like really fun the same way. Like I felt, I had the same feelings the same way I did like when I played super Mario world. And I was like, this time I'm going like straight to the Bowser as fast as I can get there. Right. Uh, it was like, had the same feelings and I had a ton of, it's just like, it's really fun for that reason. Um, plague of shadows, like. I really enjoy the story in that game. Just like the the romance between the two of them is like really fun. Uh, yeah, so it's all they're all different. And Showdown, oh my god, I could play Showdown for millions of hours. <laughs> like, if I have three people with me, I would I, like getting them to play that game. It's just it's such a blast. Is there a? I I didn't get to poke at this, but that's it's couch co op only, or is there online? Yeah, it's couch co op only. Yeah. There's the single player uh, like a story mode, and you can play you can play through the story mode with a friend and there's a target attack mode, which is like an arcade experience where you can play. I mean, I played that where we had some QA guys that played for like, they had a run going for 24 hours straight where they're like, oh. just getting the highest score. Yeah. Possible. <laughs> it was like, it was amazing to watch. It was so cool. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's like really fun. But the, I think it really sh- it shines when you have four people though. Um, it's really, it's really blessed. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, reminded me that that drew inspiration from the original Mario Bros. Actually, both of you knew that, and I somehow didn't put that together. Um, <laughs> because it was driving me nuts that you could, like, Pac-Man off one side of the screen and come back yeah. on the other. And yeah. then I went back. So I played it a little, and then I went back and finished King of Cards. And in the last act there's the like green portal yeah, thing. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I see. They just pulled that mechanic wholesale right out and put it <laughs> in the level design. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. We had that in showdown and then we we're like, that'd be really cool. It's like King Carter's last stage. Uh, so yeah. Yep. That's exactly how it worked. So any other uh, things you want to um, tell us about? Are there, are there favorite secret Easter eggs that you're devastated? Nobody else has found and, and tweeted at you yet. Cause you know, it's way easier yeah, to just tell yeah, us than make us find them. Like pretty crazy Easter eggs in this game, and people find them like so fast. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite Easter egg? Even if it's one that's well known, what, what's your favorite one? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. One of the cards where you, I'll just say there's like a dream sequence, and uh, I really love it. <laughs> it was, like really out there. And we were watching. We, I mean, only I don't. I don't know how many people run into it. Probably not that many. But we watched a stream where one person ran into it, and you could just tell they were completely distressed the entire time <laughs> it was happening. They're just like, "What is going on? What is this? This is so weird." <laughs> 
and uh yeah. I, it's just like really it's really fun it was fun to make and it's just like fun to be that bizarre in our own game uh and i don't know i don't it's like really it just like it felt like it kept going and we spent way too much time on it for something that like no one's gonna see uh, <laughs> yeah, i really love that i really in king of cards there's a lot of I think there's a lot of good, like, I don't know if they're not really Easter eggs, but like when you 100% everything, like there's different, you know, 100% the card game, 100% the platforming, 100% like everything, everything. There's like a lot of like, that's, this is the first game where we spent a lot of time like thinking about that component of it. And I think like that was really enjoyable just to make those and like, and see people encountering them in the real world. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us um, way more than this discussion, though. I appreciate you spending a giant chunk of your life making these games because I've enjoyed them immensely. No, we do. Absolutely. My son and I both thank you. <laughs> thank you. I mean, it's like we, we make the games so people will play them. So it's like makes it makes us overjoyed to hear that like people are having fun with them. <laughs> the curtain falls. The music plays. The credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head. From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil Fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creeping With the end of a smile You realize again What you've lost for a while You're gonna think back much less